0: Hello and welcome to What on Earth, the podcast in the Environmental Investigation Agency or EIA. In the global fight against climate change, the European Union is aiming to reduce its greenhouse gas emissions by at least 55% by 2030. But the new EIA report, Hidden Harm, released earlier this week, reveals that this laudable ambition is being seriously undermined by the EU itself due to the huge emissions of methane arising from its energy imports. I'm Paul Newman, AIA's Senior Press and Communications Officer, and today I'm joined by climate campaigner Kim O'Dowd to talk about the report's findings and what AIA thinks the EU should be doing about it. Kim, welcome and thanks for taking the time to share your thoughts with us. Thanks, Paul. Perhaps you could start with a quick overview of methane emissions. Um, tell us a bit about where they come from and what kind of a threat they pose.
1: Sure. Um, so. Methane is what's called a short-lived climate pollutant. Uh, It means that it has a shorter lifespan in the atmosphere than CO2. Um, But even if it doesn't stay that long in the atmosphere, it's actually extremely potent. Um, It's around 80 times more potent than CO2 over a 20-year period and had a considerable contribution to global warming experience today. Um, On top of of its climate impact, um, methane has also a big impact on health. Uh, Well, we did a whole episode about this topic uh, (laughs) together. So for the long story, I'd say listeners, go check that. But for the short story, um, methane contributes to the formation of what's called tropospheric ozone. Uh, It's a potent local air pollutant that causes serious problems, uh, health problems, and contribute to illnesses and premature death. Um, And finally, methane can also cause uh, losses in agriculture agriculture harvests. Cutting methane emission by 45% by 2030 has the potential to prevent 250,000 premature deaths, And this 45% cut in methane is what is needed globally to uh, limit global warming to 1.5 uh, degrees. Um, just quickly on where those emissions come from. Uh, they come from the energy, agriculture, and waste sector. Uh, the energy sector has been identified as the sector with the most potential for deep reduction and at low cost. And when we talk about the energy sector, which is what we focus here at EIA, uh, we talk about the oil, gas, and coal sectors. Um, Methane is emitted along the whole supply chain during extraction, um, processing, transport, and so on. Um, It's emitted through unintentional leaks uh, or as a result of venting and flaring. Uh, Leaks come come from various reasons, um, but to name a few, it's like results of poor maintenance and operation practices Um, and oil and gas companies also uh, vent uh, or burn off the the, the gas that's flaring. And this is um, primarily composed of methane during various uh, operational and maintenance process. On top of that, uh, we have abandoned coal mines and oil and gas wells that are a major source of methane emission, even when uh, they don't uh, longer are used, not longer used. As I
0: understand it, the the main challenge facing the EU um, is that the vast bulk of methane emissions from the coal, gas and oil that it imports actually take place outside of the bloc's borders. Um, How much of an issue is this when it comes to the EU addressing it meaningfully?
1: Well, that's a big one. Um, so the EU actually imports uh, 70% of the coal and 97% of the oil and 90% of the gas it consumes. The EU is completely dependent on imports of um, fossil fuel for its energy consumption. Uh, in fact, the EU actually consumes over half of all globally traded gas in the world. Wow, uh, And the thing is, like about three-quarters of total methane emission in the gas and oil operations occur upstream, upstream being where it's uh, extracted. Uh, and nearly all of methane emission come from coal operation occur upstream. That means that most methane emission associated with fossil fuel consumption in Europe are mostly emitted before reaching the border. So the methane emission associated with the consumptions happen outside the EU. And this is particularly important for another reason. Um, because of the very high global warming potential of methane, if there's a little as 3% leak along the fossil gas supply chain, then gas becomes worse than coal in power generation. And this is an immense climate scandal. We, we often hear that gas is a transitional energy source, but gas can actually be worse than coal. Because and, of these um, associated
0: methane emissions.
1: Yeah, exactly. And and those 3% is, is not something that is like very red. It actually, ha- happens very often. We have a lot of um, footages from satellites showing leaks in the Permian Bas- uh, Basin in the US uh, with measurements that have found 3.7% leak. Uh, just want to remind that the US is a ma- massive produ- um, exporter to the Europe. And that happens also in Russia in Kazakhstan and Iraq. I mean, basically all around the world.
0: Yeah. And what can you tell us about these methane emissions in the um, EU's energy supply I mean, in terms of the scale and the negative impacts that they're having?
1: Yeah, so we actually know uh, how much those represent. Uh, the International Energy Agency (IEA) uh, estimate that the EU oil and gas imports contribute around nine thousand kilotons of methane emission in 2020. Uh, so that might sound a bit abstract, nine thousand kilotons, but 9,000 kilotons of methane is equivalent to the annual CO2 emissions from more than 60 coal fired power plants in just one year. Um, and within the EU, it's only 1,033 kilotons of methane emission uh, that the oil and gas uh, industry has produced uh, in Europe. Uh, and when we took look just at the 12 biggest exporters of the EU, they represent 8,000 kilotons of methane emission uh, out of those nine99 9, it's it's immense um, I can I can give you a few examples of where, where and the scale of those emission um, between yeah between 2019 and 2020 uh, Kairos which is a leading energy and environment uh, geoanalytics company detected 30 uh, 13 ultra emitting events along the Yamal Europe pipeline uh, ultra emitting events are events that release methane at a very high rate. And so they found 13 of those on the Yamal Europe pipeline. This pipeline accounts for about one-sixth of Russia's annual export to the EU. Uh, we can find a kind of a similar uh, thing on the Brotherhood pipeline. Uh, it's a pipeline transporting gas to the EU. They found thir- 33 ultra-emitting events uh, there. So with high demand from Europe uh, leading to an increase of production, there's more methane emissions events like this. And I mean, we can say that the EU is responsible for those methane emissions. And I mean, I've just given you a few examples in Russia, but similar events can be found in Algeria, in the US, in Kazakhstan, which are also bigger exports to the EU and are going to become even bigger exporters to the EU with Russian um, imports uh, decreasing with time.
0: So, so in, in a um, nutshell, the the all, all the methane emissions associated with the energy that we use in Europe and and feel quite smug about because it doesn't have or is seen to not have the same impact on the climate um, are actually occurring elsewhere, and we're leaving that for someone else to deal with. Is that is that basically the gist of it?
1: Yeah, exactly. We just don't. We, I mean, it's as if we, we we consider that they were not our responsibilities, but it's really our the gas that we consume that emit those emissions or the oil they consume, the coal they consume. So, I mean, the EU has a massive responsibility for that.
0: Okay. Hey, you've spoken previously on this podcast um, about the ongoing work to agree a European Union methane regulation. Is this something do you think could help the block tackle and reduce these emissions um, that occur upstream from its actual imports?
1: Yeah, completely. Um, the EU methane regulation's goal is to mitigate and monitor methane emission from the energy sector. So you're right on the right topic, right. but right now, uh, the, tar- the text only targets operators within the EU borders, um, leaving aside all the emissions that we just talked about, the majority of methane emission that are associated with EU consumption uh, are just left on the side. Um, when it's completely possible for an EU regulation to address imports, uh, we've seen it. Uh, there's loads of examples of such regulation. If we take, for example, the EU timber regulation, uh, which prohibits the sale of illegal, uh, illegally harvested timber, um, or we have another example with the F-gas regulation. It's just it happens. So why not doing with the EU methane regulation? Uh, right now, the only measures on imports that this text has is the requirement for importers to say whether there's measures to monitor and mitigate methane emissions, if they're in place or not. If they're not, it's fine. Um, There's no obligation to actually measure, verify and mitigate uh, those emissions. It's completely useless for now. So so it's
0: basically an aspirational um, language at the moment rather than anything definitive or meaningful that would actually make a difference.
1: Completely. It will do nothing. It's just reporting. So, so
0: what do you think the reason for this is? What, why is the um, you know, the proposals for the methane regulation l- leaving out the upstream emissions?
1: Well, I don't think there's any good reason for not doing it, but I can tell you about what the commission
0: uh, said. So, what, are, what are their reasons, <laughs> whether yeah, they good exactly. or bad. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Well, what,
1: what are their excuses not doing? So they've used ex- the excuse of implementation. They said, yeah, the EU cannot actually implement stuff that are happening outside the EU. But as I just said, Happens all the time, we have loads of examples, that's not a valid excuse. Second excuse that they've used is um, the risk for gas supply. Uh, but there again, it's not funded. Um, like the, I, the IEA said, that I mentioned earlier, the International Energy Agency, has found that if exporters to the EU were, put, were to put in place measures to limit flaring, and we're just talking about limiting flaring, they could increase gas exports by more than 45 BCM of gas using existing infrastructure. This is equivalent to almost one-third of Russian gas export to the EU in 2021. And we have a similar study uh, from Capterio uh, that showed that if um, the countries in North Africa were to capture the gas from flaring, venting and leaks, they could start supplying up to 15% of Russian gas within 12 to 24 months. And capturing this gas would represent an income of around $29 billion per year on top of the climate and health benefit of limiting methane emissions. So the whole gas uh, supply excuse is not valid because we would actually get more gas if we started stopping venting, stopping flaring and cap- capturing methane from leaks. And the third thing that also put forward is that there was a risk that it would increase prices. But again, that's not true. Um, methane, um, the European Commission uh, found that around 43% of projected methane emission could be abated at zero cost. And 63% can be abated at less than low cost. And that's also been backed by UNEP's uh, global methane assessment that concluded that up to 80% of oil and gas measures and up to 90%, 98% sorry, uh, of coal measures can be implemented at negative or low cost. Um, so this is really false excuses. Um, and it's just more a question of political will than actually. Like why and how can we implement it?
0: Yeah, it occurs to me as well that the EU's got some precedent in terms of um, framing legislation that actually impacts on the commodities and and things it imports. So I'm thinking most recently of the anti-deforestation legislation, which basically says you can't import anything that's arisen as a result of um, rainforest being cut down. Um, So that's quite clearly reaching well beyond its own borders into countries in Asia and all around the world.
1: Yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's what we've. I mean, they know that. They just—it's more of a question of. I I would say like being scared of of what the reaction would be uh, yeah. more than
0: anything. Well, hopefully, we'll um they they'll get their um house in order and we'll see what the reaction is <laughs> when they actually do it. Yeah, um, which leads me on to the next point. Well, wh- what do you want to see the EU do in the face of the findings um, in hidden harm?
1: Well, what I'm hoping to see and. Uh, Uh, fills my dreams when I sleep at night uh, is that the takes is changed to include imports um, for all the measures on monitoring uh, methane emission and mitigating them. So what we'd need is that the framework on uh, what's called MRV, monitoring, reporting, and verification, which is tracking methane emission, um, all the mitigation measures like leak detection and repair and limits to venting and flaring are applied to the whole supply chain, and not just within our use actors. Um, and, and those measures would need to be accompanied by um, an enforcement and compliance mechanism uh, for, uh, by, for example, putting in place penalties uh, in case of non-compliance. So we need, uh, we know what needs to be done. I mean, it's science and literature and expertise is extensive around this. Uh, so we don't really need to reinvent the wheel, we just need to make. Make, make it happen.
0: Make, make it start rolling.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, so obviously, the, the the political gears tend to grind fairly slowly when it when it comes to framing legislation. How, how far along is work on the EU methane regulation and when do you think we might expect to see it come into force?
1: So, um, So the text was released in December 2021. Uh, So more than a year ago, Uh, last December, so December 2022, the council gave its opinion on the text and it was really not good. Uh, They have reduced a lot of the time, extended a lot of timeframes, created loopholes and short weakened the text, and they have not addressed the question of import. Uh, now, it's in the hand of the European Parliament. Uh, there will be a first vote coming up in the coming weeks, weeks expecting them it to be in March, uh, where we are hoping to see the mistakes made by the Commission corrected in the amendments. And then, of course, we'll enter in the phase of what's called trilogues uh, between the Council, the Commission and the Parliament, where they all try to agree on the text. And we are expecting it to be finished by the end of 2023.
0: Fantastic stuff! And, and are you going to be uh, you and your climate team colleagues to be playing a part in that in terms of briefing concerned parties who will have an opportunity to put those ideas and that language in place?
1: Of course, and we're hoping to see that this report uh, helps and the different like work that all our colleagues like that we are doing with the position papers and etc. Uh, will help. Fantastic yeah. Stuff.
0: And, and finally, um, the International Energy Agency released a report this week as well, um, and its findings were that methane emissions from the energy sector have risen slightly in the, in the past year. Um, do you think this will add to the pressure on the EU to act on its own emissions?
1: Well, hopefully, I mean, this report is really clear. Um, it almost says it like we're not doing enough. Uh, It's also repeating how cost-effective methane abatement measures are and how much gas we could save by stopping venting and flaring and and leaks. And actually the report also has a specific section about the need for fossil fuel importers to encourage reduction in methane emissions from uh, to the trading partners. Uh, They actually also put together a little graph on the scale of important methane emission. And the EU has the biggest share of methane associated with the imports, uh, way ahead before China and the US. Uh, I mean, so hopefully this report can, I mean, hopefully it will be read by the relevant people. And it, I mean, I said it before, no need to invent something new, just follow this, the science, uh, the experts, like the International Energy Agency, and put together a, a strong EU methane regulation that covers the whole supply chain. Excellent. So I hope that this report like, is a kind of a wake up call.
0: If nothing else, it would probably add to the sheer weight of pressure to to Mm -hmm. suggest that the block needs to actually do something a bit more coherent and a bit faster and more meaningful. Yeah, completely. Yeah, well, Kim, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, best of luck when the negotiations get underway later on this year. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please watch this space for future episodes and check out our website at eia-international.org to find out more about our work. Thank you for joining us, and wherever you are, stay safe out there.